Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Travis Scott. Hello. Hello. We're out of lockdown. Yay. So we're not going to do our thing we've been doing for the last uh, couple of weeks. We're just going to do some ramped up click pitch, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we'll set ourselves free to yeah. to explore larger spaces. But also, we're not gonna we're not gonna stop ourselves from doing smaller spaces if that's what the game calls for. Oh, of course, of course. We just uh, we've we've lifted that restraint. Hmm. Uh, but if you missed it, the last two episodes, we've uh, tried to keep ourselves into small spaces, and uh, we came up with some fun stuff. So <laughs> you said uh, we've lifted that restraint, and straight away in my head, my my brain went. And speaking of restraints, extremerestraints.com. This, this week we're sponsored by extremerestraints.com <laughs> for all your butt plug needs, um, for all your restraining needs. Yeah, our game is ramped up click pitch where we're yeah. each going to have using a random word generator we're going to get an adjective we're going to get a noun we're going to throw them at each other we're going to take those couple of words we're going to come up with a beautiful game baby and then we're going to nurture that game baby and see how it grows we're going to feed it and then we're if going it dies, to it dies. burp it we're going to change its butt and then we said, <laughs> just talk about our baby dying. <laughs> I said it's going to grow and nurture, and then, like a Tamagotchi, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, it'll fizzle out. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna forget about it, leave it in the corner, and eventually its battery will die. All right, sounds good. Let's get into it. Three, two, one, click. Optimum attendance. Balanced myth. <sighs> okay. Gladiatorial battles. Okay. And it's all about like trying to get the optimum attendance to these to these battles. Right. So you're with kind of mythical running, creatures. Yeah, you're you're like running this tournament or this 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 Colosseum where they have gladiators fight like Minotaurs and Centaurs and other mythical <laughs> creatures. Yowies. <laughs> Uh, Bunyips Is it in Australia? Is it a Is it an Australian Gladiatorial It's It's Set In like Outback Australia It's In like I know A dome shape Maybe Maybe thunderous Thunderous Um, No I I think We move away I think we purposely Try to do something A bit different no, the reason why I'm saying that is because it's before Mad Max, but it's like, like this is before the whole the whole world goes into shutdown. But basically, this is where eventually Thunderdome will exist. Oh, okay. So it's bef- right. It's before the whole apocalypse, essentially, and 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 it's just. It happens <laughs> to be an amphitheater in the middle. of It's nowhere. an okay. It's like a it's a sports stadium, essentially. Hmm. Uh okay. I like the idea of this being just in a sort of. Modern world where there happen to be <laughs> mythical creatures to fight against. Uh, is this to the death, or are the mythical creatures just like sports people as well? They're athletes. I kind of like. <laughs> At first, um, it's just guys dressed up as mythical creatures, <laughs> but then okay. after a while, you start realizing that some of those masks don't come off. So is this actual mythical creatures infiltrating your cosplay uh, battles? You're larping, pretty much. Like, and that's how the op- like you get more attendance and all that sort of stuff coming through. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I-, I think this is a world where they exist, but event- essentially, you can't afford them initially. Like you. It's expensive, yeah, to get a fucking griffin, especially when McElroy. If, if it if it gets killed, you know it's that's your one and only shot with a griffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be. There's only one griffin, McElroy. Yeah, and it just doesn't have quite the same cachet mythically to get a Travis or a Justin, like you know. And just be just to just be hundred percent sure, just in case people don't realize this, we're talking about the griffins. Like, they're actually, like, part 
part eagle, part yeah, lion. Part, but their yeah. name is Griffin McElroy, Justin McElroy, and Travis McElroy. It's just the, Griffin, mean, they're all they're all Griffins. Griffin the Griffin is just like, like it's the ultimate it's ironic. Griffin. It wasn't his birth name, but he just you know he's got a weird sense of humour. They, they they liked my brother, my brother, and me, so they they named themselves after that. All <laughs> that just his Griffin, just podcast fiends. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, so so what's the gameplay what what's the gameplay here like is it is it sort of hi, like hiring and firing and and managing the things and then like watching the battles take place or are you fighting the battles and something like I think it is one of these games where you can sort of choose the part that you like. Like there's the career mode where you're you're playing one of the one of the griffins going forward, then there's like the manager mode in which you can you can look after the attendants and it's really you can get the same sort of thing uh story happening in the background where things are sort of building up, but it's how mm. you want to actually do it. You you want to go more down the the managerial and the more real-time strategy sort of thing of I've got to put in place, you know, advertising and all this sort of stuff, or you play, you know, in the Mortal Kombat-esque, you know, <laughs> beat them up. <laughs> so, yeah, it's two games in one. Uh, I guess it depends where we want to focus, because, like, did you ever play Punch Club? No. It was essentially... I mean, it was kind of a boxing game, but it was more of a, like, RPG light kind of thing where uh, you were playing this boxer, but you'd, like, go home every night and you could do stuff there. And then you'd, like, go to different shops and you had to keep your levels up and that sort of thing. But then you'd go to the boxing ring and you'd, like, do these, you know, relatively simple things and train in different things and get your stats up in different ways and then have have fights and stuff. And so- it was sort of that career mode in a sense, but like the whole game, it, there was there were stories and stuff that went mm-hmm. along with it. Uh, so I kind of like that, having a little bit of that sense of it. And you sort of mentioned that in the career mode. Um, but the, I mean, the fights in that were very simplistic. I guess if we wanted to focus a bit more also on the actual combat as the gameplay of that, uh, that could be cool too. I mean, I did say Mortal Kombat, but I'm talking more from the- more from the standpoint of maybe a third person for honor sort of fighting system. Yeah, that's more, that's more where I was going, and and I like the idea of like multiple gladiators against a single beast as well. Um, although occasionally, you know, you get the big brute gladiators who just try to take it on. Yeah, uh, what I'm kind of thinking is because I do like the idea of you running the Colosseum, so we can have a mixture of both, but. I like that maybe you've got a few uh, creatures in your stable, essentially, at a time that you can bring out in, you know, you can set the order of them. You know, you're more powerful ones. You maybe bring those out last because, like, you know, it, it, it you really want to end on a big note or maybe you bring them out first to really get the crowd going or whatever. And I, it's, and I think they can be people in costumes to start with. Like, it's a, you're essentially building this up. <laughs> Three gladiators against a guy in a cosplay costume kind of seems yeah. unfair to the to the gladiators. I mean, that guy in the cos the cosplay costume. Well, it, maybe that's part of it. Maybe you he's have just to, like- really good at martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a, dressed as a centaur and swinging just this fake back legs around to kick people and stuff. <laughs> and then you find out that there's actually like another guy inside t- inside the legs. Yeah, it's two. It's two people. <laughs> um, that's why it looks so realistic. That's why. That's why when one of the gladiators cut the centaur in half, they kept fighting. <laughs> the back end just sort of stood and, up and eventually kind of merged together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we could have it that you essentially you play out those fights like part of it is you want to put on a good show so you generally want to win although you, you want it to go for us like i think what you can have is during the fights is like these are the these are the sort of uh checklist of things that you want to try and mm. hit so the match should go for two minutes minimum yep no yep. longer than five, otherwise the people get bored, and yep. they and they they want to see you know um, this is how the, how it X should die amount and, of blood. <laughs> yeah, you you the gladiator should be hit you know 
and, you know, look like you're about to lose, that'll, that'll give you a little bit more. And you can sort of mm. play around with... One of the things that the wrestling games haven't really done is that you can sort of sculpt your storyline sort of thing. You being a manager, yeah. you can sort of say, okay, the storyline for you being a gladiator is that right. you're going to go, you know, turn heel and, you know, be kind of like the really bad guy who, you know, doesn't doesn't really follow along with rules. And, yeah. you know, you can and actually so, sculpt yeah, I like story then that, a little that, bit. Then that alters the audience's, like, the requirements, essentially, for the audience. Like, if you're, yeah, if you're playing a heel, essentially, then- more of the audience wants you to lose, but winning can can also bring up a sort of a different stat. It's still excitement. It's still in there, but it's, you know, you get them jeering at you and, and whatever. You get them jeering at you for, you know, turning on one of your fellow gladiators as he's going for the kill and you, mm-hmm. block, his, you block his weapon and steal the kill sort of thing. And <laughs> I can't help but think this is uh, a good place to use our besties system. In a way, in a way, in a way. But okay. instead of okay, in first, in go on. For our audience that hasn't listened to every single episode that we've ever done, what is the besties system? So the besties system is our non-infringing take on uh, Warner Brothers' uh, um, nemesis nemesis system that they used in the Shadow of uh, War and Shadow of Mordor. Games, mm-hmm. uh, we focus more on the friendships. Yes, but there are anti besties. Is that what we call them? I, I think so. It's yeah, been, it's there been are a while. It's been a few besties episodes. as well. But instead of here, like generally when we've used this, it's obviously your character is creating besties and, and non besties uh, as they go. I think in this place though, it's it's sort of it's simulating those relationships just between the different gladiators that you have and the creatures and that sort of thing so that you do have those relationships of oh like you um go against someone who was previously your bestie and beat them then that's going to change that dynamic and the audience notices mm. um and keeps track i'm just wondering is if like during the game, you can have, like, special weapons that you can bring out every now and again. Oh, like, yeah. Like, um, yeah. occasionally there's, like, vintage weapons that you can bring out that is, you know, weapons that were seen in olden times. Yeah, like magical, like named weapons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, I, I love the idea of, you know, it's like you're coming in with Michael's mace and it's got, like... <laughs> <laughs> Plus 20 it's to the- healing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the- Healing the Mace- rock. Mace- Roy. <laughs> um, you know, I-, I like that sort of magical weapons or, or-, or mythical weapons in some way, or-, or just like, yeah, historical weapons that have some history. And again, playing into the bestie system, like, they're from previous battles mm-hmm. that- then add to them or, or like, like the unspoken of system does do like certain, um, besties will get a name, weapons will get a name based on the fact that, oh, you, you like three times in a row destroyed, um, uh, fucking Cyclops, uh, with this weapon, mm-hmm. then it's now, you know, the eye poker or whatever. <laughs> What this enables us to then do is capitalize on, in your game, your manager mm-hmm. can now create new merchandise. Yes, that's a good thing. That's a good part of it. So, it now becomes that <laughs> the, the Bessie system has actually just brought forward, like, new merchandise that you, you're bringing out. So, at the end of- <laughs> Fucking action figures, man. Yeah. Plushies. I, I love the idea that your custom, like your gladiator, be they man or beast, made their way up, become one of the more popular, you know, fighters in this ring. Mm-hmm. And then you get to make fucking action figures and plushies out of them that we generate, you know, essentially with the whatever clothing you've put them in. And then you can choose like- this one comes with the uh, the mythical eye poker that you know, like it's got whatever it is. The the one of the named weapons you can choose to like 
release the limited version that <laughs> comes with that. And then, yes, that's like increasing your revenue. Increasing your revenue. And the cool thing is for Twitch streamers and that sort of stuff, mm. like you could actually be, you know, selling off like pins or, or logos or of yeah. of like your your champions basically to your to your audience. So you get that sort of um I I love the idea of being able to pose for wallpapers and in your merch store people mm. can come and, and you know purchase a wallpaper for fifty cents or whatever, but it's still yeah, like yeah, yeah. And then we take a small cut, they they take a <laughs> they take a cut like I actually love that as a Twitch thing, actually. I hadn't thought of it from a streaming point of view, but even just as the crowd and having some integration there where they can like they can be maybe like voting on, you know, which side they're going for or whatever. Uh, or you like you have the big moment, like the big Caesar thing of like thumbs up or thumbs down to like execute them at the end. Mm. And that might and that might mean you lose a really popular um creature, right? Mm. A really popular uh, gladiator or champion, but you've had that like but then it becomes a huge moment for the for the people watching and for the audience. Yeah. That's really cool. I I I'd love for the like the Twitch streamers can like affect the actual in-game audience as well, have them like holding up posters or uh, you know, saying different things, or again, like if it's just on the mood, you you then hear that in the game based on mm. you know, I, who they most want to win. Thinking about it now, I'm like, why haven't more games done this sort of Twitch integration of mm. being able to, you know, have have your supporters like get behind one of your heroes, and you get to play in as as that hero and sort of see it build up, and then they can you know purchase things on that particular on that particular character like that are generated from within game yeah actually make them actually merchandisable yeah we'll do what uh was it what rock like rock band did where you could get a 3d printed (laughs) actual action figure of your of one of your champions or people can buy them i mean it would be pretty easy to get the cat out of it because we've built the um, we built the character. Oh, yeah, and- if you, yeah, you've got the three D. Uh, I'm just I'm just loving the idea that the man you can stick with the manager stuff, and you know you can you can handle the souvenir stuff if that's really where you want to go down to. But or you can just let the computer just deal with that, deal with you, that stuff, yeah. and you can you can go ahead and do this. And depending on how you do your settings at the start, like whether you. Whether your um, manager's going to go heavily in on the souvenirs and merchandise, or whether he's going to go into, yeah, well, that can affect things too, right? Like, you could be seen as a sellout if you <laughs> if you try to sell too much merch, especially too, if it's early. too early. Yeah, that's really cool, uh, particularly with that Twitch integration stuff. I, I love that. Yep, uh, I feel like you could build a real basic like. Almost a web, like not a web-based version, but like a, I don't know, two D version of that that could have some of those features and still do really well. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do another. <laughs> Comparable bog, aerial, incurring. <laughs> I immediately went to just something shitting on something else from a height. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that I actually want to make a game about shitting on things, but <laughs> it's better than you know what what you it could have been, which is comparing, like, <laughs> comparing in a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's take we can take bog to be something else. It could be like a swamp kind yeah. of thing, like boggy swamp. I like I like that. The bog of eternal stench. Ooh, yes. Um, ooh, Labyrinth Game. What, why? What? Uh, aerial incurring, but I'm like, why hasn't there been a, a Labyrinth Game? Like, I know that LucasArts did a did a adventure game set within... I think it was LucasArts who did it. Labyrinth. Set within Labyrinth? Yeah, there was one, like... Really? I know very early uh, on. There's a board game that's kind of cool. 
Labyrinth the Computer Game. Yeah, you're right. 1986 graphic adventure. Mm-hmm. Developed by Lucasfilm. Yeah, games. I thought so. Very Maniac Mansion-y. Oh, but it was before Maniac look, Mansion. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I guess it's just when you look at that resolution of big-headed graphics sort of thing. But uh, interesting. <laughs> well, I think we can do something a bit more interesting than that. Yeah, but I, I, I like the idea of... I don't care too much about aerial incurring. I've now I'm now set on Labyrinth the Adventure Game. Why hasn't it been done? And why can't you do a sequel? Well, yeah, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking rather than do the story from the movie that it's like someone else hmm. who's found their way into the labyrinth. Yes, um, and is searching for something to reach the Goblin King. But the Goblin King is missing. Ooh. Yeah. Well, because we can't get David Bowie, so... Exactly. And there is no game. So there is no, no Goblin King without no, David Bowie, so... There's no replacement. <laughs> Who would the Goblin Queen be? Maybe he did eventually find someone, get married, but now he's gone missing. But there's still, like, the head of the Goblins is there, and it's his wife. Sarah. You think it's Sarah? It's Sarah. It's... Okay. It's yeah. 25 years later, and Sarah has realised that she did actually love Jareth. <laughs> <laughs> Once it became less inappropriate for a teenage girl mm. to be with a goblin king, uh, she did go back and visit and found that actually he was, like, a pretty nice guy. <laughs> when he wasn't trying to steal her brother and turn him into a goblin... Yeah, well, by this point, her brother was, like, an annoying 14-year-old, and he's like, I don't want anything to do with that little shit. Mm. All he does is play Fortnite. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I love this idea. <laughs> How does the game actually- Do you play the brother? What's the brother's name? Toby, wasn't it? Toby, that's right. For some reason, I was thinking Elliot. I'm like, What? No, that's the kid in <laughs> E.T. Uh, Elliot. <laughs> Toby. Maybe it's more than one person going in this time. Ooh, okay. Maybe when you, like, mix Labyrinth with the Goonies. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a bunch of 12-year-old kids. <laughs> and do they all go different ways? Like, when you go into the labyrinth- Oh, so different- we do the Maniac Mansion slash Day of the Tentacle style thing. You're switching between characters. Okay. So, one of the things that I absolutely loved about the um, about the movie Labyrinth is that everything is sort of mind-bendy. Yeah. So, I think you need the way that the shaders work and all that sort of stuff. You can never really see that there's actually- you know, an entrance into a separate. Oh, yeah. I'd love to play around with like. Where the walls actually exist or not. Yeah. Well, because there was that great scene where, you know, it looks like there's no wall there, but then yeah. you change perspective and you can see it. But if you can really do that well within a game where you have to be looking for it or you have to know about it first or something, mm. because essentially the textures mm. are rendered as if they're a single. <laughs> Don't go that way. <laughs> you never want to go that way. Oh, thanks. Oh, God. If, you, if she went that way, she would have gone straight to the castle. <laughs> Little shitty worm. <laughs> oh, God. I need to watch this movie again. It's so fucking great. <laughs> so, okay. So, do we go classic point and click then? If we're sort of inspired I, by some of this stuff. I do like- Or a bit more modern. I kind of like a modern point and click. Like- um, 3D. 3D rendered. But I think maybe fixed fixed camera fixed points. Camera. But or then at again, least like, like- Panning camera or something maybe. There's got to be a way of being able to do it. Um, from a first person view as well. So that otherwise they would have seen- Oh, look, there is actually a wall here that you can go into. It's just... Yeah, that would definitely make it more difficult doing perspective tricks if they've got full camera control, essentially. <laughs> no, I mean, I like doing it with a fixed camera or at least, like, 
con- like we control the camera essentially the um, the developers control the camera because it would be really cool to have some of those tricks but then like use lighting stuff to mm-hmm. reveal it and that sort of thing like that's the solution to the puzzle like you literally cannot see that there is a wall there because the camera is on a fixed path um and that and the way we've done the textures or whatever makes it that you can't tell that it's there but then yeah you like light some torches or something or whatever and you see oh now the shit now the shadows falling through that hole into the back you know you can sort of tell then there's more Mm -hmm. visual information to do stuff with okay so there's got to be some sort of breakdown that has sort of happened as to as to why the story is going to be somewhat different to the first labyrinth yeah so i think i think sarah has brought in these kids just like Jared brought Sarah in, yep. in the first one. Is, is she... Has she taken something from them? Maybe, like... Maybe their dog or something can, like, <laughs> smell goblins. Yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering, because Toby, Toby is going to be one of our main characters. Yeah. Um, he I and think his it's friends. Toby and his friends. Yeah. Maybe he... He's going out looking for what happened to his sister. Right. And stumbles into- The world like, of Labyrinth. By following the clues, stumbles into the Labyrinth, essentially. Yeah. And How did she originally- She just finds herself at the entrance of the Labyrinth, doesn't she? After she, like, calls for the- Goblin King, Goblin King. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. take him or whatever, like, does her little <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's suddenly just there. Yeah. Well, Jareth comes in and says, you got 13 hours to to reach the center of the castle. Yeah. But by that time, she's like on that ex- Like it's- They're in that- Like they're out, he, out there. She he, just- he ba- basically, She basically just like transports her there from her room. Yeah. Or from, or from the brother's room or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, or maybe, maybe it's then- Maybe then that Toby and his friends- Find some incantation, like find some the the special words to say. Um, Ooh, they go into Sarah's room and behind her mirror, like there's mm. there's an incantation that they can basically that you can click on, and then uh, out of her window, out onto the veranda, like the scene changes and oh, basically it, changes. it opens cool. up, and it's just the labyrinth is right in front. Yeah, after you say that. The castle in the background, and yeah. yeah, there's something about that, and just how many friends do you reckon? I oh, can go the classic two, like tr- the tree, as in the two additional friends do the trio. Yep, I'm I'm tempted to make them both girls just to avoid the ridiculous, like the overused trope of the two boys and the girl in the trio. Yeah, um, I was I was thinking. Along those same lines, but I was thinking four and having two of each. But no, I think I think the the trio does work a little bit better. I th- yeah, I think just it'd get overcomplicated with more. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I think you've got kind of the the more like rough and tumble, confident tomboy. Yep. Sort of tomboyish. I mean, yeah, she doesn't have to be like necessarily masculine about it, but yes, <laughs> like. It, less less traditionally feminine, I suppose. Um, and then maybe like an arty t- arty type or something, arty or super brainy, like super smart, yeah, sciencey yeah, type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Toby's the arty one. Yeah, maybe I, he I- got kind of. I like him being sort of on the arty drama side because it goes very similar to what Sarah was in which she was a drama yeah, type. Yeah, she was- So- dramatic. Yeah, the, like the drama stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I like that. How old is Toby? Yeah, I'm thinking like 14. Okay. I think it's young So, it's only- This is only, you know, 13 years later sort of thing. 12, 13 years later. I want to make yeah. it 13 years later because it's the whole, you know, you have 13 hours and it's like, it's exactly right. 13 years to the day. Okay. Yeah, that does put that. Oh, no, I guess that makes her, what, 29 or something. And maybe she's been gone for a few years. 
four years, I reckon. Yeah. She left when at she 25. 25. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that Toby thinks he's kind of edgy and arty, but, like, is still trying to f- find that and figure himself out, so he's actually, like, mostly really awkward. I think for the first part of the game, they all stick together. Yeah. But there is a section later on where one of them sort of gets knocked down into the oubliette sort of thing or or something like that. And yeah, therefore you yeah, gotta, yeah. The other two have to get down there to, to get to get them out and all that, all that yeah, sort that of stuff. Yeah, that could be interesting. Instead of just, like, splitting all three of them up and switching between, that you occasionally maybe, like, lose one of them and the other two are trying to find them. Because mm. that, that keeps the dialogue going between the different members and being able to explore those relationships a bit better. Yeah. So, what's changed? What's changed in the labyrinth in 13 years? There's now a faction. There's different factions. Oh, yeah. And okay. kind of like a war going on. Like, a couple of different factions of goblins. Maybe they're not united under one leader anymore and they're- Yeah. Well, because if Jareth is gone, like, how long has he been gone for, even? I mean, I guess not that long if it's only been- Four years. I don't know. Time moves differently. It really does. <laughs> time it, moves differently it, in the it labyrinth. It could literally just be the last couple of weeks and- Right. Yeah. I guess you could you could have shit, you know, factions start in that time and it's yeah. a more recent thing. Yeah. Okay. So, I like the idea that there's a couple of goblins that actually help you out. Mm. That that you sort of make friends with, with some of the goblins because you don't know that they're like- if they're actually bad guys or anything like that. I think the idea is that they sort of say, you know, the Goblin Queen um, will know will know the answers to the questions that you seek. They yeah. don't know that it's Sarah. They, yeah, that, they're basically that's saying- sister, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like that. Yeah, so you've got a faction of goblins who's essentially loyal to Sarah. You've got a faction who never liked Sarah, and so- well, the Goblin one- Queen, because I like the uh, like the well, idea yeah, yeah, that yeah. they don't know that it's Sarah. <laughs> no, no, no. That, they never liked the Queen. Um, and then especially- So, when Jareth went missing, they just, like, essentially mutinied against her and, like, are no longer following her orders. And then do you have, like- Because there's there's so many different creatures in there. Do you have maybe, like, the species of whatever Ludo was have have- kind of found their own because they were sort of they were definitely like oppressed or well, Ludo was like yep. Ludo was bullied and, and teased and, and whatever by by I guess they were a type of goblin in the in the big helmets or whatever but maybe there's like a whole group of though that type of creature yeah uh, that, that's now sort of found their little niche yeah um, I'm in the labyrinth really like this idea of just being able to take some of the elements that you know and just twist it enough that like yeah. it's a it's a different story you you can choose which way through the labyrinth that you that you want to go but you as you go as you sort of go through you're always going to sort of end up at like there's one way through oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. here's an obstacle you got to work out your puzzles to get through it and those fucking pink bird looking things are still the same though and still super creepy and weird mm-hmm. what's hoggle doing Oh, right early on in the game, there's like a little, a little, um, like headstone that says Hoggle oh. and. Here lies Hoggle. Here lies, here lies. They got the name. <laughs> Jareth did the. Hogwart or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Jareth did the headstone. <laughs> Get the name right. But then you find out later on that he's actually that. The mysterious cloaked figure that kept on helping you throughout the whole mm. whole thing. He, fa- whole he faked his death and um, has been secretly trying to trying to get his friend Sarah to to like break the spell of like. I'm thinking that maybe there's something that um, turned her really into the into the Goblin Queen and. Uh yeah, I think maybe he thinks that at least he's trying to help her escape again. He thinks she's. Trapped. I kind of like her actually just have been like, no, I just, I wanted to come back here and, you know, she can have a bit of a story about how after her experience in the labyrinth, like she never felt quite like she was in the right place in the real world or whatever, you know, life life got less magical as she got older and had to deal with reality. And so she decided she wanted to come back and found her way back. 
So it could be, it could even be that she wasn't there for Jareth. Like she just wanted to. She's she's the reason why he's now trapped in one of those crystal balls. That she's oh, actually doing out, it. It turns out that yeah, he went missing because she finally like got rid of him. She never actually liked him. She was, but this time she was using him to just so she could be here and rule as the queen. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. She traps him in one of those crystal balls that, and it's the one that she's just continually, you know, doing. Yeah, she's the like, contact he's ju- juggling con- with. Contact juggling. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's cool. You don't find out. It's like a, <laughs> it's like an after credits thing, and it zooms in on the ball, and you just see Jared's face in there. <laughs> pressed against the side. It's an owl because you know how he how he was an owl in the in the mm. real world. Mm. It's it's got that owl face, and if you see it, you know early on, basically she captured him as he was in it's owl. That form. Really, it's that really primitive computer generated owl that's like going over the credits or whatever, the opening credits. All that, yeah. <laughs> 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 that lovely 80s music and... Oh, fuck, I love that movie. <laughs> it's so fucking great. All right, that's really cool. I think we can imagine kind of how the rest goes, so... All right, three, two, one, click. Appointed sentient. So given. So in so S-O? Just S-O. <laughs> Something sentient, what was it? Appointed sentient. Appointed sentient. Well, that could work interestingly with given in that, like, given an appointment, or or just like if someone being appointed into a role and that role to do that role, they are granted sentience. They are given sentience. Okay. So why, like some sort of why didn't they have sentience before? I like where you're going, but I want mm. to know why they didn't have sentience before and why. Effectively, they've, they've been given free will or or at least knowledge of self. Yeah, I think it's kind of a- it's maybe like a- uh, what's that? They're like lifting up of a, of a species or something. Maybe it's not full on- maybe it's not- <laughs> maybe it's like there's an alien race and they appoint humans to a particular role. Hmm? And as far as they're concerned, humans aren't sentient. <laughs> but when they bring them on, they're like, oh, we have to give them all the knowledge of our race mm-hmm. and that. So, so it's, it's less giving them sentience from our point of view and more appointing someone into a role that, like, opens their world and their mind up to this. Like, humans don't know about other species. Okay. Yep. So, there's a bit of a Last Starfighter vibe. Yes. <laughs> okay. So- who do you play? Do you play the person who's been appointed all this knowledge? Or do you play someone who looks, you know, lives in this world, looks up to this person who's been appointed sentience? And maybe they're kind of being being twisted with power. As you, as you know, that when, when someone reaches the, the top, they quite often get corrupted by the money and mm. the power. Been able to play maybe, around with this sort of thing of maybe you play the previous human who was appointed this role, mm-hmm. and you have just been superseded by the next human, by the next so, model. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there's, I mean, we we probably need to figure out what this is, what this role is, and why why they appoint a human and why it has to be a human. What you know is is this some sort of governing role or some sort of decision making role or is it more of just this weird like honorific do they just want a human pet all the time and it's become part of their culture to like this is the you know our culture's human (laughs) is it a ceremonial role yeah yeah it could be it could be or like something to do with their religion you know that that it must be a human to anoint the chosen ones or whatever, or like only a, only the specific brain structure of a human, you know, primitive as it is, can yeah. <laughs> can see into the depths of of our species and choose the one who will lead us or whatever it is, and then they become yes, this like ceremonial appointment within their race for a while, but 
there's a term limit essentially, or there's like a something, or like when they get too old, it's like, oh no, like they just decided that once a human gets too old, their brain can't do what they think it can do. At least that's what you think. I think yeah. that there's a prophecy and- Oh, Yeah. And you finally find out the translation of that, which is basically that um, they they are looking for they're looking for the human who will lead them to the uh, the one person in their in their race or whatever yeah. that will help them conquer the universe. Basically, well, here you go. Maybe it's like maybe their their prophecy said something like you know. A human of the ages, you know, twenty six to thirty three will will decide on the yeah will like reveal your savior, and so they bring these people on for six years at a time, and once you reach thirty two, it's like, well, it wasn't you, but you get to live in this society, <laughs> and. Because it was maybe so it's like vague. fifteen years or something like. <laughs> but I'm thinking because it was so vague that it's like the only thing that they've got going for it is that they know it's human and they know the ages between these two days. <laughs> basically, well, so basically, but what I was going to say is, I think you, as a now defunct human, from based on their reading of the prophecy, you like you find other people in in their race. You you trans you get it retranslated, and you realize no, they weren't saying between the ages of twenty six and thirty two. They were saying you will be found in the year twenty six thirty two. Like it's 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 actually like the human year of twenty six thirty two or whatever. And they got that mixed up in the translation, and it's now you know twenty six thirty or whatever. Like it's it's hap it's it's nigh. Um, or oh. it's you, or it's, you know... 2633, and they just <laughs> missed it. They, they missed it. They, they, You've actually already identified that person. They just dismissed it because you were over the age. Yeah, I guess I guess it might make sense for you to be that person. Yeah, you, you were discovered in that age at, like, at the age of 26. You're now 33, but... Like the year they discovered you was actually twenty six thirty two, and so it just, it didn't say it said that that person would be discovered in twenty six thirty two, not when they would make the revelation. Mm. <laughs> um, and by and, the end of the so- game, you make the revelation that like I, I think um, you kind of are we are we going with my idea of um, you know they're looking for the person who will lead them to be able to conquer the entire universe sort of thing. So, therefore, it's sort of like a bad yeah. thing that you, that you find this sort yeah. of person. And then, effectively, you're going on, on like, a quest to actually find that person that you identified in the um, in the opening cutscene and well, or kill I, I think alien maybe- Hitler or... <laughs> <laughs> I think there's... Yeah, I think there's definitely that tension of... You are expected to reveal this person. Like, maybe you- I think initially you're- You're, like, put out because for six years you were this, you know, revered being in their culture. You knew about the previous ones, but you kind of didn't think about them because, like, you were sure it was you. Like, you were going to be the one to reveal this to them. They didn't tell you then. Or maybe that get- Maybe it's another misreading of the prophecy, like- Maybe they don't know that it's someone who is is going to essentially conquer the universe. They just think it's like you're going to reveal their savior. And so when you reach the end of your tenure there, essentially, and they go, oh, all right, put you to the side, go and live in the village where we have all the past ones. You know, the other <laughs> the other people who are all 32 and older um, and all six years apart, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, no, like. I, I'm sure I was this one and you go and you seek out, you know, the the elders who who did this and they dismiss you and then you find like the young upstart alien who who believes that they've been translated wrong and you find whatever evidence you need to retranslate it correctly and then you're like, oh, yes, it is me. Like, I was discovered in that year and then you retranslate the rest and it's like, oh, shit, the person I'm, I'm prophesied to, to reveal is actually going to like destroy everything. And so then the rest of the adventure is like you're still well either maybe you convince 
maybe you convince the elders or whatever. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like you're back in. But then it's like, oh, but do I actually want to do this now? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of a neat arc. Yeah. Kind of, a, kind of a neat arc. Um, point and click adventure. Yeah. I think it works Typical well things. Uh, I don't see enough there to continue down this path, though. Fine. Have you got? It's because you got your next words already, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's fine. I think. Yeah, I, I think we can. We've got kind of the whole arc of that story there. I, I like how it would work. You could do some really fun. I'm getting almost uh, like I'm getting a Lucas Arts kind of vibe. I'm getting a very Discworld vibe to it. Yeah, I could see Discworld. Yeah, I was thinking the dig just in the sort of harder sci-fi and definitely comparing it to that. But um, I just just really nicely 2D animated and stuff, you know. Yeah. Cool alien designs, cool, like, world design. Yeah, be awesome. Mm. All right, let's move on, though. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one, click. <laughs> Overwhelmed pub. Stumbling crossroad. <laughs> nice nice okay so m- the reason why i kind of wanted to move on is because i got this idea i uh, got this image in in my mind or whatever you want to call it uh, of a guy stumbling <laughs> down the road yeah with you saying pub and has been overwhelmed <laughs> like he's basically been kicked out because he was too drunk yep. and he's walking down the road and he comes across a crossroad. Okay. And that's when the crossroad demon comes down and sort of, <laughs> you know, promises him, you know, if he if he um if he likes that he can basically have anything he wishes for. The only thing is that, you know, in X number of years that he will come and collect. Okay. So it's a, a deal with the devil kind of situation. Yeah. So you sort of see the deal with the devil. I, I like the idea of, you know, he's, you know, drunk. So he kind of, you've had one, <laughs> like, if you've ever got drunk and gone, oh, why did my drunk self take all these photos or something like that? Like, this is yeah. the ultimate one of those, which <laughs> basically drunk you, sold your soul, but what it sold it for was one more beer. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? I like the idea of. I think you, you sort of you you play through like you, it. It literally opens with you stumbling down. We'll make we'll 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 use the like um, the great physics from you know GTA with the <laughs> the stumbling stumbling around. Um, you come to the crossroads. Yeah, like the demon. The demon comes down. Tells you about the deal, but I like the idea of cutting away. Like, the player doesn't make a decision. Oh, yeah. You essentially and then, then cut away. You've got a clock yeah. tattooed on your arm uh, yeah. that is counting down. Like- that. Yeah. I, I think what happens is, like, the deal is presented to you. It cuts away. You wake up the next- mo- Like, it cuts to the next morning. Wake up hungover. And, yeah, you look at your arm and it's got, like- all the fine print, <laughs> and yes, like a, a, a clock counting down, or um, and is it in years? Like how long until it collects? I know. I kind of want it to be a single year. Mm. So it's like a year in this person's life. Okay. So what? What did he ask for? Well, oh, you're saying he he literally just asked for the beer. That's all he got. So <laughs> the changed? last thing that he kind of remembers is that. He asked for a beer and then he sort of blacks out. And, you know, I- I'm kind of liking the idea that he's spending all this next year trying to get out of the contract instead of just living his life to the fullest. Mm. Mm. And it's sort mm. of like a one of these sort of tales where you, where you sort of say, well, if you know when you're going to die and you focus all your time on you know, focused on that moment, have you really lived for the last year? Yeah, this could be an interesting- Introspection, sort of. Yeah, like an interesting story. I think maybe it's New Year's Eve, because then we've got, like, the clean year. Yep. And we can cut, we can have these little, whether they're vignettes or little sections where it's, like, 
January. Like you oh, get the big, it, it is, you, get, you get the big, the big title come up January, and then it like, is you really play important scene to and know. Then it's February. It is really important to know: is this a leap year? Because it makes all the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has to be just, and we can make some joke. But something happens, and he like comes back on roof. He sleeps through February twenty nine entirely. <laughs> Well, I, that I'm, day. I'm thinking that the that the demon comes back on uh, December 30th, and you've you've then got an extra day. That the, <laughs> the, the demon got mixed up. The demon doesn't know about like leap years. He just kind of goes, "It's been 365 days." Like, no, <laughs> that's not a year. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Um, the the thing is, I, I was going to get to the point where I think. You get to the end and you've wasted that whole year, but I wonder if we do like a a bit of a, a Christmas Carol kind of deal where it's like, so did you learn your lesson? It's like, all right. And you get sent back to that night and it's like, okay, now, you know, deals deals done, deals off, but you get to continue your life. And now it's like, now he's going to live his life to the fullest, you know, even without a deal or whatever. Like that we do a bit of a learned your lesson kind of kind of situation. Mm. It, it turns out, it turns out that like the demon was just an angel in disguise of like, yeah. oh, turn him away from that, from that crossroads demon. And you see the sort of crossroads demon tied up behind the, like, <laughs> there's like the, the crossroads sort of sign and just behind it is like a demon tied up and the, and yeah. the angel sort of turns around and winks at the camera. And- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say there's like a post a post credit scene of the angels up in heaven and they're just like, all right, which one of these do we want to fuck with today? <laughs> Let's like, should we do the old like teach him a year, you know, lesson for a year thing? <laughs> I, I know. I reckon that, that, that's got kind of a cool idea to- to actually play play around yeah, with yeah, those yeah. sort of tropes, but also like you can have sort of twelve vignettes that is that are going over over a month each, and yeah, well, I like the idea that he essentially. I mean, I think he was already almost at rock bottom, but like you have all these opportunities, or what could have been opportunities to turn your life around in some way. Oh, you, I say you, he, uh, but he. He just wasted it every turn because he's he's yeah he's like trying to get out of this deal. He's spending the whole year like going to different churches, talking to people about like the fine print that no one else can see. Like he's the only one who can actually <laughs> he see it. Shows on their up in like- all these lawyers' offices, and he's just like, "Look, I've got this legalese here," and he's just pointing at his empty arm. They just kick him out. They're just looking at it, and it's just this blank, this, this blank like forearm. And then he looks yeah. at him and goes, "You know, you can see in you know red blood sort of thing. Yeah, red flaming blood letters. See the time's you- going down. It's like, oh." I almost want him to spend, like, a, a small amount of time, you know, under observation in, in like, a hospital or something like that because they, they're just mm. seeing if he's going to actually hurt himself or something like that. Like, you don't have to go- Well, and I think he, like, goes to therapists and stuff to see if he's imagining the whole thing and he- Yeah, like, I think it's sort of all these different phases and these different things that he goes through just completely focused on the deal itself and, and his impending mortality or what he thinks is- his mortality, instead of what, yeah, what he could have done. I kind of like and, and the maybe, idea. Does he have a family or, or at least friends or something that he's just like, you know, they're constantly trying to just, you know, help him and different things. And he completely sort of leaves them by the wayside. I, I do like that idea. I also like the idea that he goes to like a, one of those Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's actually for people who have done deals with the devil sort of thing. So, he, <laughs> he meets up with these people and, and you know, yeah. some of these people, I'm, I'm picturing that one of, one of the people that he, that he realises he's got a good friendship and that sort of stuff, her or his, whichever way you want to sort yep. of go, um, his date for, for when he's going to make the deal is coming up, like, yep. in, say, February. So, yep. you've got a little bit of time to sort of find that person before they make the deal and sort of, you know, that's the thing that they, they decide to do right at the end. They go, if I, if I can just find this person before they make their deal, maybe we can, you know, figure, some, it, out fi- like- figure it out together. 
Or maybe he wants to be there when the deal, like, he's like, can I cut, like, can I be with, let's stay, stick together so that when your time runs out, like, I can, I can grab them and I can, like, make, you know, end my deal or end both our deals or whatever. And so they try it. But the, does, the, does the other person- With, with, the, with the angel, um, you know, because she comes along with him to, to his deal and she goes, this isn't, this isn't the crossroads that I made my deal at. And you know that it's somewhere- like different and therefore it may be a different demon and, and that right, sort of well, stuff. I was, more th- I was more thinking it'd be interesting to because I was going to say I wonder if at that time when they say like he can't see their deal either but like she tells him or, or would it, like you know oh yeah it's okay it's three two one and then she just like pops out of existence <laughs> oh, <laughs> she Jesus just disappears but maybe you like run into her like three months later you see her, she doesn't remember you. Like, she's essentially gone back and lived her life then. But it's just- For you, it's just confusing. It's like, well, what happened? Like, did am I imagining this? Like, this person who I spent all this time with doesn't know me. See, I was saying the other- I was saying the other way. I was saying that she she made the deal after you and therefore, like, you can stop her from oh. making the deal in the first place when you're going back through again and, and that's oh, what I said. I, I was thinking you'd end it after the first run. Like, I think it was more that's the end. Is- oh, it's it's more that, like, she came along with you to to your final thing, you know, hoping to, to get out of the deal and, you know, have you both stay together. And oh, then I see. You right. get winked back out of existence and now you're- like the last thing that he decides to do is go find her before she makes the deal right, in two months. I see. Yeah, yeah, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah. You could do both of those. You could have two different characters. One who you try to go along with, and then yeah, you like you fall in love or something. You're like right at the end. You meet them two weeks before your you know before the end of the year. Fall madly in love somehow. She does also have a deal. That's that's still how you meet. You have, you know, you know, you know that you're just going to wink out of existence because that's what you've seen in this other person who you tried to go to their, like you were with them when it ended. Mm-hmm. And so you, yeah, you have this like teary ending where, you know, you're just going to disappear, but then you find out, oh, I've got another chance. And yes, you can, it's like, all right, I'm going to find her and stop her from making her deal. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Does <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, kind of like Good Omens, how you've got like the the devil and demon sort of character. Does the yeah. angel character, as the demon, sort of pop up every now and again, just to just to sort of um, as different characters throughout the story, right. kind of like trying to change our character's destiny a little bit more and and bring him out of his shell and get him to focus maybe a I like more. the idea of of making that really subtle. Oh yeah, really subtle, but maybe like you have one little indicator that you don't that you don't even reveal to the player properly until like the end, and so if they play through it again, (laughs) it's it's that it's that total end of saw. You know, all the flashbacks to all the things and and interlocking (laughs) the pieces back together. I don't know if you flash. It's more like when they when you finally see them turn into their angel self at the end, they've got like a, a. a tattoo or a, I don't know, they're wearing like a feather in their ca- I don't know, that's a stupid thing, but they've got a green hat on or something. <laughs> they look like King Graham from Daventry. Yeah, they've got their little bicocket. Um, <laughs> I forgot that it was called is, a bicocket. This has got to be the podcast that has uttered the term bicocket the, the, word the, bicocket most. the most out of every podcast. And then so like- then you realise if you play through it again, it's like, oh, that character had a green hat. Oh, that character had a green hat. Like, they're all different characters and they all, like, yeah, they had some input into the player or they were, like, tr- certain conversations that were trying to help them move along. It's like, oh, shit, like, that was the angel every time. Mm. Um, yeah. um, as soon as I I did say flashbacks from Saw, all that was running in my head was the da-da-da, da-da-da, <laughs> all the music that, that plays when when all the flashbacks oh. are happening. Like in the Saw franchise, it's sort of this dramatic, like yeah, yeah. I don't, I haven't seen enough of them to I've, to know the music. I've seen them all. My head. It's, it's sort of like I've I've seen the first one probably the most, and I just I remember the way that 
sort of ends up and it's like as the credits are going <laughs> uh, right. just before the credits go and you know he's like <laughs> shutting the door on on these two guys and they're yep. totally fucked yep. <laughs> but um yeah i can see that you know the angel slash demon you know in the post credit scene could actually be talking about it you know it's like Oh, I think I might go fuck with some demons. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they do it to mess with the crossroad demons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not about it's not about the humans at all. It's just nah. about, it's just fucking with the with the crossroads demons with and, the demons. They have some fun. Him- Humans are nothing to these higher beings, especially because they've been living things. for millennia. They're like, eh, a year. That's yeah. like that's like a second to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Imagine living so long that, like. Years just float by like that now. Well, it's so weird to think about because if you're still actually experiencing time at the same rate, like, does it seem like it goes by that quickly? Or is it more like the way that we remember our- because, like, once you have more memories in your head, essentially, things in the past feel like they've gone faster? And uh, is there any difference between those two things, you know? Well, I think it's all to do with- and- when I think about it, I look at I look at my son James, who's eight hmm. and a bit. He, the the amount of percentage that a that an hour is of his life is much bigger than the percentage that an hour is of my life. So well, that's therefore, what I mean. Yeah, that percentage doesn't like now. It doesn't feel like we've been doing an hour hour and five minutes of this podcast. But we have. Oh, I mean, when we were, yeah, when we were like eight years old, an hour felt like forever. Forever. Because now it goes so it's only a percentage of, it's like a much higher percentage of your life. Yeah, but it's such a good, but that only, that only and this is completely off topic, um, that's sort of only relevant once you've experienced it, right? Because then it's about it being in your memory. So, yeah, it is this interesting so thing of- after you've you're lived experiencing for millennia- You're experiencing actual time, yeah. After you live for millennia- like, the difference between a second and a year is... Eh. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. That is like... Cool. A second is like... <laughs> they go Like, it's such a minute percentage now that an hour is nothing, you know, a week. That is an interesting way to think of it, because I've always wondered, like, they talk about it like, you know, oh my God, you know, a century passes and it's like a year for a, year for a human or whatever, or someone who's been along life for a human lifespan. But then how, like, how does that affect their, like, literal in the moment? You know, does everything feel slow to them or whatever? But I can see that, no, it wouldn't. Like, you're just living your life, but it's just now as you remember back, it just feels like it goes so quickly. I don't know. And it's weird. It's a weird metaphysical thing to think about. I was, I was talking to my grandfather a little while ago about this same idea Mm. he's just turned 90 like last week and um he was saying that like the last 20 years like seeing me go from you know 21 to now nearly 41 like has gone by so much quicker than than what it felt like me Mm. getting up to that 21 Mm. year thing and he goes it's just it's getting too fast like so interesting it's it's at that point that you know he's just trying to enjoy all the time that he's got left because he knows that he's had friends die. He knows that he doesn't yeah. have another 20 years. Like, he he knows that it's going to be within the next 10 years, and that's kind of scary, but he's- Yeah, well, again, it's, it's so interesting to think about that of the sort of l- the present moment versus your memory of it mm. and how that feels and then how that affects your present moment. And, you know, I wonder, like, if we ever got to the point where humans have a lifespan of 250 years, like, are our brains just not <laughs> prepared to deal with that many memories in your head? Like, that second century went so fast. <laughs> Not like half the, half the length of the first century. Yeah, it's like an exponential thing. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us this week on the Joe Rogan experience, where we talk <laughs> bullshit about metaphysical ideas without knowing what the fuck we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. I think we will end it there. Um, thank you for joining us this week on Bitstorm. If you want to find our previous episodes, you can go to podchaser.com slash Bitstorm. Check them all out. Leave us a review. Tell us what you thought. Uh, yeah, do that. Do those things. We are hoping to have a couple more guests on in the next couple mm-hmm. of weeks. We've got a couple lined up. We're just working out the details now. 
So yep. So look out for those. Look out for those coming up soon. Um, we'd also like to thank Curadust for allowing us to use the song <laughs> "Mad Defiance" of the album "Containment Failure" for our opening and closing number every single week. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And thumbs up, thumbs down, execute. I'm getting a a thumbs up. Oh, we're good. We live for another day.